Okay, good afternoon. This is Michael Muth with Going Global International Interviews. Today we are speaking with Terry Tierney, who has made an interesting trip to investigate business opportunities in Iraq. Uh, if you would like to see an edited transcript of this interview, you can find it at INTL Alliances and MidwestBusiness.com. So, Terry, first of all, I'd like to talk a little bit about your background and, and pre-trip kinds of things. Um, first of all, what the heck interested you in going to Iraq? Well, I thought it was a, a great way to do my part in trying to bring about a successful conclusion to our involvement over there. I think that uh, the project that we were tasked with um, would uh, lend itself to not just Iraq's experience, but other countries as well in terms of forming uh, a rebuilding and an eventual exit strategy from the different uh, countries that the U.S. has become involved with, either the military or economic or defense or security kind of tasks that we might have in different countries or regions of the world. We're often looked upon as a little policeman. Well, if we take that to another level, that how can we also contribute to economic growth and then back ourselves out of this role as the world's policeman? And when you speak of different countries, do you mean specifically the other countries that are involved in, in rebuilding Iraq? In other words, I know the UK is there, Poland, so and so on. Are there other countries as well that you're going to? Well, yeah, there would be other regions also. And in working with some of the civil and military affairs experts, in Iraq, I hear about uh, episodes in Kosovo and, uh, and in Bosnia and uh, eventual uh, participation in Africa. There's an AFRICOM, short African Command, that we'll probably be hearing more about in the future. So this is a wonderful opportunity in a country that was uh, sorely in need of uh, Western know-how in terms of rebuilding its business sector and they do respect our people, our products, our education, our expertise, and uh, the position of the U.S. has grown economically as a superpower. That's a limit to us for guidance and advice. Mm -hmm. And what did you do to prepare to go to Iraq? We had a short meeting at the Pentagon, actually, and uh, a briefing of just a couple of hours with security experts just to make sure that you didn't do anything uh, forcefully on a personal basis, which paid attention as we were told to do by uh, the military escorts that were always by our side. And then also to learn a little bit about the uh, Iraqi culture because it's uh, several thousands of years old and got to Mesopotamia and uh, Babylon. And so having a respect for the changes that have occurred there in recent days and how uh, they have evolved uh, to where they are today, I think, is a very key in understanding our culture. And I understand that it was Computer Sciences Corp that took you over there. Um, how did you get to be? Well, uh, there was uh, an email that went around in one of the newsletters I received, and I thought, hmm, this sounds like an adventure. And, and actually, I saw a quote uh, that um, really wrong with me that uh, when life hands you an adventure, take it. And it was said by Amelia Earhart, most people. And I thought, well, um, very many times when we have an opportunity to rebuild a nation, and so I thought, uh, after seeing this email, I sent some information in, and I went to the next step, and then uh, I had a military background long ago. I was an institute school leader, so I had some experience with uh, working with the military as well. But, uh, but it's really evolved to a whole new level with, with civil military operations and how uh, you know, that's much more critical now in the military's role in uh, nation building. So it ends up being kind of a blend between Department of State, Department of Defense, and many cases. And is the Department of Commerce involved as well? Or no? uh, a little bit, maybe further down the road. But it's trying to determine uh, how we're going to uh, bring about peace after the military has gone in and done what it needs to do, and then how do we. Uh, enable ourselves to go home and leave the country in better condition than one of us when we found it. And I found in your profile that um, you were a senior engineer for a $50 million economic development program in the Middle East. Is that your activity in Iraq or is that something else? Yeah, that was in Iraq. We had a $50 million spend plan in the year 2000 approved by Congress. And it was to invest in Iraqi state-owned enterprises, which are owned by the government, especially the uh, Ministry of Industry and Minerals, and there's about 200 of those such companies. 
and it was to invest in new machinery, equipment, spare parts, raw materials to enable them to turn the lights back on uh, by the generator as well for reliable power and then to ship product and then to great job. And I also thought something about an SAP project manager position for one of the largest global implementations on the way. Same project or a different project? Uh, that was a different project, but it's still a CSP. That was for the U.S. Army. Uh, SAP implementation for their uh, logistics monetization program, LMP it's called. And that's to enable the Army to have uh, first-rate equipment in all its different uh, deployed areas throughout the world. And so this, uh, this project was enabled in real time as soon as it could um, update for what equipment and materials and um, what are helicopters or Humvees or specialty uh, ambulances that need to be in place uh, in the far flung reaches of where the U.S. forces are located. So it's, it's a full order to keep that current and have the parts necessary and the repairs work done to uh, keep these, uh, active, these units uh, mobile and active throughout the U.S. and in the world as well. Okay. And now moving on to your trip on First of all, just quickly, how long were you in Iraq? Uh, I was there for uh, a year, and it was eight of us that started. We had senior engineers who had some sense of what it took to uh, operate a factory or manufacturing facility, and uh, we'd come home about every two months for uh, about ten days, uh, and then uh, return and uh, would... Uh, vary that amongst our team so that um, that's when people have gone at one time and we had to always back up one another as, as well in terms of commitments and um, responsibilities we might have had to either to military or to uh, Native Iraqi. So really had to share information, which became a little bit of a challenge too because technologically we, we could have computers and email networks and all. But as we traveled and moved around, you know, it became critical to share information so that uh, as far as the Iraqis were concerned, in many cases, the Americans are Americans. And you're a soldier and you're a civilian. And so for us to know what was told to this Iraqi manager, uh, business person, and their previous encounter with uh, an American would be something you would expect us to know in many cases. And so that was another bit of education that we had to uh, make sure we could share our um, results and our evaluations with one another and with the right parties in the military and the right sector. I think that leads to the question. I mean, what, what preconceptions and stereotypes do the Iraqis have of American disappearance? Well, they, they do respect the, the accomplishments and um, the products, the services, you know, whether it's Google, whether it's General Motors or Pass, whether it's IBM, whether it's uh, other leading edge technology, uh, often is. Uh, from the United States, and uh, in terms of seeing what the United States Army brought to bear too, and realizing that a lot of that technology was, um, was produced in our own country, uh, whether it's the satellites and the eyes in the sky and the drones that we use, or the sophisticated night weaponry, uh, the communication capabilities we had, well, this is quite a nation that uh, they're willing to come in here and send in civilians to support our industry. You know, that's something we should be. Uh, very open to. Now there are folks, so you know, often you would see them either in the internet, uh, on certain websites where there'd be the insurgents or those who would uh, downplay the role of the U.S. and Iraq. And so we, we want them to go home. Well, the, the average Iraqi I think, was very supportive of the scheme there. We gave them grants and effects to buy machinery, equipment, and all materials. We gave them our time to went to visit their factories and sometimes they risk. And, um, the other director doesn't want to be on the internet, doesn't want to be filmed, and doesn't need his uh, name or his family to be identified as supportive of something that uh, fringe elements might say, well, we're going to make you a target now because you spoke favorably of having this outside invader come in and still stay in our country. So, uh, but I think by and large, it's supportive of what we're doing and we respect our Western know how. And where specifically were you in Iraq? I uh, started uh, in near the Baghdad airport area, Camp Victory, which is an army base there, and then uh, went to uh, Kurdistan, Erbil, which is the largest city, and the three governments of Kurdistan and northern Iraq, and then returned to uh, the army camps by the airport, and then went to the Green Zone. So moved around a little bit. And so, generally, what did you do? What, what activities were you performing? Okay. 
Well, main charge was to visit a refuge factory and determine uh, what was necessary in terms of physical equipment to uh, enable them to uh, even ship product again. And so we often would go in and uh, see that a two or four hour visit we come up with five, we have a five uh, Humvee uh, military escort to bring us to a different factory. Uh, I hope that the uh, operations underway machines running so that we have a sense of uh, what is going to work to here that was often a challenge too because uh, you couldn't predict um, necessarily the time of the place of when we would be at specific locations for security reasons. So uh, we just would show up at the front door in some cases. Or another time when we do didn't know a particular company well enough, we could maybe give them some, a little bit of advance notice not very much. So, the, the intent was, though, to find out what the work is like for the Iraqis and the Syrians, and then to try to evaluate um, in a two-page write-up of the data that we would very quickly in terms of um, marketability of the product and the employee uh, base and the number of jobs that could be created, the religious uh, uh, significance as well as Shia, Sunni, or other. And then when we weren't doing that, we were often uh, forcing the parts and materials, machinery, the generators, the equipment needed for these different factories. So you spend a lot of time on the uh, internet or in the telephone. And then we were also would meet with um, other um, military units that were engaged in civil military operations to, to share with them what we were, we were doing. And then when you say businesses and factories, I mean, what kind of businesses were these and okay. what kinds of things were they making in the factories? Okay. Yeah, it, it ranged from uh, the biggest grant we had was to a fertilizer factory in northern Iraq. Agriculture is about 22% of their economy. Then to uh, tractors and buses was another significant investment. And then uh, ceramics in uh, Ramadi, uh, in that factory in Sinuja. And then uh, plastics, bicycles, um, the drug company in Mosul. Uh, textile companies were very common too because it was a number of uh, widows uh, there, they uh, found that sorry, simple sewing machines would be a very effective way for an Iraqi woman and mother you know, would have an opportunity to uh, support herself. Even handmade carpet company, for instance, um, which had 200 patterns they didn't they did before I left and said, uh, I could uh, help them in marketing some of their uh, handmade rugs. <laughs> I mean, I was in Poland, yeah, I think, you know, had a similar experience. I yeah. met with a, uh, a wood flooring company, mm -hmm. and they the same kind of thing. gave me some of their, their promotional materials and said, we love Madonna. We want to do Madonna's floor in L.A. you got to get us into Madonna. <laughs> same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, Taji went with Baghdad. We had a furniture factory, and they had to find um, imported hardwoods because it wasn't very Walmart cherry available in Iraq, so they went to Romania so, mm -hmm. to import European hardwoods, and then they had to find it. Well, then, they also upholstered furniture. Well, it was uh, green uh, upholstery that you would find in the 1970s here in the U.S., and so we also saw that um, they had a dated, not molded uh, sense of fashion and design, and so in, for one company we did hire a, a British uh, expert in textiles to bring them more up to date with uh, making draperies and curtains. And then to add to that too, we said, well, besides just making uh, fancier drapes and curtains you had in the past, the window coverings, the window fashions, making fireplaces as well. So there were added elements that you had that uh, enabled them to maybe be a little more competitive in uh, the regional market. So that they can not just sell the products of the rack, but export them as well. And, and could you give us a little bit of an idea of the scope and scale? In other words, were they usually pretty big operations, mom and pop kinds of things? Um, they're medium to large operations because they were owned by the central government, so uh, we, we would look for a, a eventual rehiring uh, job impact of several hundred jobs, if, if not a thousand, if possible. Uh, this is a petrochemical plant in Basra, for instance. Uh, there would be a large scale operation. Uh, and then, um, on the other hand, sometimes there would might be 50 jobs. So we tried to quantify that at the address because these uh, Guna factories, well, how many are on their payroll? Let's see, 500, 800,000. And you look in the back and you see 50, 75 people, maybe. So as it turns out that uh, the factories are often 
their social security system, their pension system. So each uh, Iraqi worker might support 10, 12 people back home. His grandparents, his aunts and uncles, his widowed sisters, and, uh, and brothers who can't work. And, uh, so uh, it was very important that, um, that the payroll could be met by these factories. In fact, um, we received about 40% of the pay uh, one of your family members, if you were, for instance, a widow or an orphan, you would, the family would still receive a benefit, but it was like funneled through the exactly or state of enterprise, as you call it, as opposed to the Social Security Administration and Medicare, which they don't have that. So that made it difficult for them to be competitive in the world economy because, for instance, Chinese would come in and say, uh, for a buck, of course, $15,000, and I said, oh, $24,000. How could we against that? Well, they had this more table. They had this support of all these folks that uh, were working in the factory, and they were part of the rest of society that expected some benefit from the, from the factory. So that's something that has to be worked out through um, you know, the government to determine how it's going to support its citizenry who uh, need of, you know, whether young or old. Uh, uh, disabled, um, handicapped, uh, how people are going to be provided for. I'm socialistic, but um, I mean, obviously there are other ways to structure this kind of thing to make it more equitable, I guess. Yes. Uh, okay, and um, who were you leading in Iraq? I mean, typically, was it the owners, the managers? Employees, we, we would meet with the executives in charge of a given operation, and sometimes they would have multiple sites. For instance, the cotton companies. The companies of cotton might have uh, three major sites, and then four or five smaller sites. And uh, you would go to one of their uh, main factories. Um, generally, would in around Baghdad, you know, because the population center uh, was certainly a focus. And uh, you call them BGs or um, director general. And they're affecting the plant manager, the executive in charge. Uh, they may or may not have had their uh, position uh, through longevity. They just moved in the industry been there for 20 more years. We give them a lot of credit for being survivors, just being there and going to work each day, given what they've been through, for not having left the country, but stayed there and determined you know, to invest and survive and, and uh, try to uh, return to normal within their own. Uh, Enterprise and that's uh, as many others have in the country. So that was always something I was very uh, appreciative that they were still there and trying to uh, be as successful as it could be in challenging circumstances. And, and what were the results or what came out of the work that you did there? We made major investments in from 150,000 uh, up to as high as 6 million in about uh, two dozen plants in 07 and about the same in 2008. Uh, we took a million budget both here. And it's taxpayer funds too, so publicly available information. And so, yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. so, so contractually, uh, it's important that we uh, dot the DIs and cross the T's in terms of making this all. Uh, subject to uh, different levels of approval, and that uh, what we specified as um, the different levels of quality or uh, grades, or raw cotton that we had to buy, or if we bought parts for um, uh, the busted tractor line, or uh, molds for the ceramics facility, or assembly units for the tractors, that this is all done uh, according to international specifications and proper contracts that we have Now, moving into more specific opportunities in Iraq, the U.S. Department of Commerce said that Iraq is about a strong long term economic potential. How so? <laughs> Well, uh, yes, I, I would uh, agree with that. So Iraq is uh, surrounded by six nations, and it's uh, third largest oil reserves in the world. And so, it's a, and, and it is Western oriented, more so than some of its neighbors. It's bordered by Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Syria, Turkey, Iran, Kuwait. So, if you have neighbors like that, it's no wonder you wouldn't have some problems with the border. So. Uh, and it's unfortunate some of the recent news that's been coming out has been um, troubling. Uh, and that the Iraqis have summed up that well, we have um, 
but on the security uh, level too low and to bring them back up again to uh, restore what uh, security had been available to us and even with more evidence and different checkpoints and in the security process that uh, had been underway and they let down their guards thinking you know, we can move ahead in other areas and spend their money in these other places like that. Not so, but I think that uh, given the will of the Iraqi central government that had elections and um, the parliament in place, it is um, representative of a lot of different groups. You know, it has been boycotted in the past, but it's just really interesting turned around where they realize that uh, if they are to return to some of the, the glory days that they've had in the past, and they had they had to find universities and uh, they were leading companies in the Arab world, leading country in the Arab world in terms of uh, uh, intellectuals and, and art and uh, academia and uh, industry, and I think they wish to return to those days. And uh, the University of Baghdad and various other schools and uh, training programs are still functioning. We don't hear much about them. So the, and there's a few million Iraqis that are in um, Assyria, in Jordan, in Iran, that uh, are waiting opportunities for the security and food to switch over and we'll come back okay. and invest in the country as well. Okay. Um, again, looking at the U.S. Department of Commerce, they also say currently Iraq generates the majority of its wealth from the production of sales crude oil, processes that are controlled mainly by the government of Iraq. Oil exports are more confusing. The engine that drives government spending and finance is nearly all infrastructure development in Iraq. I guess my question is, if oil is so prevalent, what else is there in a business sense beside or in addition to oil? Well, let me mention some of the, uh, the six sectors that are mentioned in the uh, Department of Commerce website, which is uh, www.exports.gov. And you can see market opportunities there. And those are uh, textiles. Uh, construction materials, uh, engineering, uh, food and drugs, industrial services, and chemical and petrochemical products. And yes, uh, oil and even agriculture are significant uh, contributors to the Iraqi economy, but uh, for jobs and uh, for future investments, whether it be uh, financial funds transfer in the banking industry and credit cards and ATMs, whether it be in the cell phones industry, whether it be uh, in broadband. Uh, there are other uh, initiatives that um, don't receive the attention but would be very important to the Iraqi citizenry. Mm -hmm. And and uh, oil wealth is compared to capital and to investments in these other areas and mentioned as well. Because we find that you know, the state owned enterprises were cutting across all kinds of uh, different industries from A to Z. And uh, for those to be restored is something that the Iraqi people uh, long for. And the Ministry of Industry and Minerals, uh, the central. Uh, government understands that uh, this is where their future has to go to move beyond just the oil sector and invest in these other uh, areas. Uh, would it be as simple as cement? Because that's going to be needed for reconstruction of buildings, roads, or to be in the other areas, um, like waste management and uh, handling of the scraps and the metal, especially the vehicles. It's, uh, piled up uh, in, in Iraq as something that could be uh, used in, uh, in Bosnia in the petrochemicals and the you know, smoking uh, plants that are now relying dormant but you know, could be certainly uh, restored and that uh, Iraq could be an engine for growth in the region as well and eventually in the, uh, uh, the Middle East and then beyond as well. Um, interesting, as I mentioned, um, yeah, this is time for I also grew up in work in Germany and looked at some opportunities when they were selling off their state-owned businesses. Um, you know, I was in Poland in the mid-90s. They were breaking down and privatizing some of their state-owned industries as well. And any idea if, if we're taking any of the learnings from that and implementing some of the same kinds of things in Iraq? Yeah, I, I think we used to talk about that, that what we're doing is kind of like the Marshall Plan or post-World War II. It's just that, uh, the, the, the culture is a little different because um, you know, many of the U.S. citizens um, have some European heritage, and so the, the two groups to work together back in the 1940s and 50s 
more readily than we can today. There's other uh, uh, differences that we have to take into account. It might take a little bit longer, but I think the mindset and the will to succeed uh, is there. And that um, as uh, you know, communications uh, have uh, enabled young people especially to understand you know, what uh, the main people of the world uh, are able to accomplish when uh, resources and uh, capabilities are available to them, you know, they want that for themselves too. And so they do realize that uh, they have a, a robust future. They can look to success stories in other countries. And so they have advice keepers issued by um, Institute of Peace or State Department or from the Department of Defense, Civil Military Affairs folks who have uh, encouraged uh, different reconstruction uh, groups and the NGOs, non-government organizations, to look to uh, how uh, Eastern Europe, for instance, is able to uh, go from publicly owned enterprises to privatization. And so there are steps underway in, in Iraq to encourage privatization of these state-owned enterprises. And then, in fact, some of them might not survive, too. Not all of them, perhaps, are deserving of... Uh, having a place and maybe they'll be surprised by something else. If we would go to one factory that made ceiling fans and spark plugs and uh, iron. And, you know, these are all commonly available from China now. And so how are you going to continue making these kinds of products? And so uh, this was an, an area where um, they were going to move into more of the solar research and alternative uh, uh, energy. And then uh, also they uh, put in an oxygen plant for um, oxygen for uh, both uh, the hospitals as well as for welding purposes too. So giving credit for looking uh, ahead and trying to find alternative uh, investments. And something from a, a resources point of view, I understand that engineering schools in Iraq are actually pretty good. Yes, yeah, they're really being first rate. And uh, back in the day, and that's something that they're actually really sore over there, too. And I've met students at both the first and in Baghdad, and there's the other thing that actually does. And there's fine engineering programs there, too. And uh, young people especially are you know, uh, very willing to uh, take on uh, some of the tasks that have been set before them. And uh, how you don't understand fully is how daunting the task is before them, but uh, certainly the will is there. How did you start this going? Signed a six million dollar contract with Iraqi Airways, General Electric signed a three million dollar deal with the Iraqi Ministry of Industry. And obviously there are different proclivities for risk and ability to tolerate risk. But are the opportunities for American companies in Iraq strictly with big companies or are there opportunities for smaller companies as well? I think there are opportunities uh, for the big and the small. And that if uh, some companies that are interested in uh, learning more about uh, some of the tenders, which are uh, the terminology for joint um, venture and partnership opportunities, the government realizes that uh, they're just going to come right in as a Western company and uh, set up an office. Like that. And so they're very keen on setting up these um, ventures and partnership uh, capabilities, whether you work for the government or you go to one of the conferences in the region, for instance, or the reason our um, chambers of commerce in Iraq, for instance, in uh, Baghdad and Kukuk and Mosul, for instance. Um, U.S. American chambers of commerce? Well, Iraqi, that are modeled after the uh, American chambers of commerce, but they're uh, Iraqi-based. And uh, about... Uh, a year and a half ago, I went to the first uh, Baghdad uh, trade show. It was held at the LSU Hotel. We had 175 exhibitors. Similar we would have uh, in uh, Las Vegas or Chicago or in Orlando, one of our uh, expo centers. And we were very proud that they were able to set up booths and talk about uh, these are the products that we have here more and the services. And went all the way from um, the electrical state companies, electrical products, and the bicycle company, the plastic bag company to wedding planners and florists and uh, construction companies. So it was really nice to see both men and women, young and old, were showcasing their wares and trying to uh, give evidence that, uh, yes, we're, we're ready to do business again and uh, try to come back to, to normal and uh, look to us as um, a provider instead of having to import products and services from outside countries. Uh, try to shop within Iraq and find resources in our country. And 
idea behind the showcase. And on another note, too, we're getting financing, too, because money is always important here, too. We were setting up electronic funds transfer programs. And the Trade Bank of Iraq is a consortium of major banks that's uh, led by J.P. Morgan. I think that uh, there are uh, capabilities for companies that need to uh, worry about lines of credit or uh, the, the financial uh, worthiness of the transactions that the Trade Bank of Iraq is one source they can go to in terms of uh, having some uh, peace of mind that their, their financial uh, needs are present there in this uh, the lines of credit and the because uh, we found the credit checks meaningless that really couldn't uh, determine um, the, the status or the credit bureau. So there are um, means by which you can counter or uh, work around that kind of uh, restriction. So I would encourage the smaller either manufacturing companies, uh, import exports, or service companies as well, professional services to consider. Uh, Iraq as uh, a potential business ground. Since you bring up finance, you might as well have this to share. Um, you know, I understand the Export Import Bank doesn't really support financing in Iraq. Um, there isn't much of a private banking industry. Will this trade development bank of Iraq provide for all financing needs, or what other financing alternatives are there? I know that the, when I was still there, they were in the earlier stages of setting up the electronic funds transfer which process, which would enable us to process contracts that the joint contracting command Iraq was engaged in for all the reconstruction, whether it's schools, hospitals, bridges, roads, and, and <coughs> infrastructure type projects. And so, um, both the public and the private sector within Iraq was being tasked to set up these uh, financial uh, funding capabilities and the electronic funds uh, transferred on a reliable basis. So, uh, in terms of um, some of the studies on the World Bank or import export bank, or I've seen some of those from the Coalition for Regional Authorities, EPA, which is some folks research back in 2003-04-05 that was one of the prevalent uh, group there under William uh, Bremer, who uh, the CPA was, was tasked with rebuilding Iraq after the military finished work. And um, what we're doing now uh, in, in part relies on some of the work we've done and we've also made changes too in terms of our rebuilding strategy. So I would say that um, the banking sector, uh, obviously they had to reform. Uh, there's an Iraqi stock exchange. There's um, the pegging of the Iraqi currency, the dinar to the dollar. It was 1240 dinar, Iraqi dinar to the dollar uh, back in LA. So the heads of the government and the minister minister like a finance realize that they have to have a reliable financial system and certainly have uh, Iraq join the world stage and be, uh, become a, a market power as they would desire it to be. So uh, I would say that uh, given the, also the participation of J.P. Morgan in this consortium of banks to the Trade Bank of Iraq, but that she doesn't lose her mind. And um, certainly consider that also the partnership of the joint ventures uh, uh, services that are offered by both the, the Iraqi industry and uh, industry of industry and minerals and also by the State Department. And perhaps work through some agents in an Oman, Jordan, for instance, who might be expat uh, Iraqi, for instance, or in, in Turkey or neighboring countries, and uh, certainly not go it alone, but uh, find some reliable partners with a track record. So. Um, and I guess just coming back to opportunities quickly, and you mentioned some of the same ones that I found. Um, do you have any success stories that you can mention? Either energy, construction, agriculture, healthcare, transportation? Uh, well, for one, in the Grade, where the prisons was, and that's just like recruiting in the dairy or investing um, $3 million of taxpayer money in putting in uh, a, a dairy operation that uh, has to be modified for their needs. So, for instance, uh, we think of dairy, like we get cows and milking machines. Well, there, 
We don't have uh, access and transportation uh, abilities. We don't have uh, milk depots. We don't have uh, refrigeration. It's reliable. So we have sort of powdered milk capability, which enables us to storage and uh, long-term uh, shelf life and uh, maybe not quite the uh, critical needs for uh, clean water and which you might have uh, in liquid uh, handling, so in the uh, containerization and so forth. So um, that is a real success story and it uses Iraqi um, workers as well to put up this brand new dairy uh, and uh, in what had been uh, a troubled area of Baghdad. Uh, been a state company for electrical industries is in Sadr City in Baghdad. And that was a, a, a company where we're going to invest in air conditioning uh, units so that they can produce their own air conditioning uh, units as well as heat pumps. And so we had to go to uh, an outside country to find air conditioning kits. They couldn't build the compressors and the motors and the uh, housings themselves, so they could do some basic assembly work. And so we went out and found out, okay, what basic level of assembly can you handle? We'll find the ingredients or the components, and then you'll do the assembly and the testing work and installation, and then we'll put the uh, proper uh, spacing on it in the Arabic uh, um, dials and so forth. And so I thought that was another way. We were customizing you know, widely needed products for their market and adapting it to the ability of the company to have this, a certain level of technology and yet to provide jobs. So you couldn't really automate too many processes in some of the plants. Another one was the Ala Electric, and it's nice with Baghdad. It's also a, a, a trouble area too, a very critical spot. And the, the transformer plant, which uh, made the substation elements for power lines. So we invested heavily in uh, new uh, transformer uh, equipment to enable them to build these uh, power units that would be needed for the electrical utility plants throughout Iraq, which is so critical to have reliable power supplies. We only have been lacking over there as well. We tried to put to rest some of the generators that we had to buy. And, uh, okay. um, <clears throat> Sounds like there are some opportunities in Iraq. However, I think there are still issues. And so just need to discuss how you were instructed or, or trained to deal with those um, So, again, the U.S. Department of Commerce says deficiencies in Iraq's legislative and regulatory infrastructure, particularly with regard to provisions to protect interests of capital and foreign, com foreign companies, are insufficient. How safe and secure can American companies find to be protected, say, in the legal system? Mm -hmm. Well, there are uh, contracts that we uh, have in place. For instance, we've been doing that for a number of years now, just to the joint contracting command Iraq for all the rebuilding projects and the billions of dollars we've been spending there with Iraqi uh, construction firms uh, for restoring their infrastructure. So there are contractual processes and uh, contract uh, agents and audits already uh, being done. Uh, now, as we try to transfer that work to the Iraqi sector and back to the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, and you know, the defense contractors are that world, um, we've given them a precedent and uh, open means of showing them, because I've seen firsthand where Iraqis were also involved in the contract processing. Um, organizations as well. They were the, the middlemen in many cases, so that um, they had a clear understanding. There were contract agents, buyers, agents, if you will, and so we are setting up the amount of uh, infrastructure necessary to process these, these contracts. Uh, we have a lot of key lawyers also working with us as well in the, in the Green Zone, for example, to ensure that. Uh, the terms and conditions of the contracts were satisfactory to both sides. And also, as I mentioned, the partnerships and joint ventures is a way to uh, ameliorate the, the risk. But certainly, risk management is a factor. So, uh, do have um, an embedding on whoever your partner uh, might be in, in Iraq. And uh, sometimes you might even want to find um, you know, a regional uh, Arabian country with Turkish, for instance, for a very active in Iraq, as are the uh, Jordanians, for example, and some of the Saudis as well. And 
find them as uh, possible business partners. You might look at some that have already participated in other sectors, like the Kuwaitis, for instance, they active in the telecom sector. So you might um, query some of the, uh, the Kuwaiti uh, investment firms, banks as, as well, and uh, as well as the actual um, engineering or um, professional services type of companies that have already been their neighbors to Iraq anyway, so they have a best interest in a peaceful Iraq as well. So they have invested some other uh, funds and uh, money in helping a neighboring state. So I would say look to some of these uh, neighboring countries that might have pre-existing um, uh, arrangements, contracts, uh, operations in Iraq and uh, see what kind of partnerships they might be interested in as well. Um, I read about corruption in Iraq. How did they instructor train you to deal with corruption? Well, that's why we had uh, multiple levels of approval for uh, contracting operations, and uh, really both on uh, the military as well as the civilian side for uh, the spending of U.S. taxpayer money or um, Department of Defense funds, if you will, with civil military operations. There were certain uh, funds set aside for uh, military commanders if they um, invested $1,000 in backpacks for uh, school children in Baghdad. That's an example that uh, they could do that. Um, it's sort of emergency funds. Uh, and so now that we've been doing this for a couple of years, I think that uh, there had been enough uh, publicity back in the earlier days with the coalition that uh, enough checks and balances had been set in place now to uh, make sure that uh, these kinds of uh, corruptions and uh, temptations that uh, might be uh, thought of as skinning in a contract or something that would not be uh, Tolerated and would be caught. So that there's, there's a more of a spotlight on um, and a watchdog, if you will, um, uh, facility there in terms of the uh, overall uh, insight and uh, in oversight of how um, funds are transferred and services performed. And whether that's uh, progress payments, for instance, uh, we would do this with every great barrier, for instance, we would have monthly checks and the construction process that the concrete is poured, for instance, there's no cracks in the concrete from day to four. They were putting up the roof. Now that the roof is properly sealed to the wall and the proper uh, blueprints were uh, file drafted designed that they would be in the right mode bearing home. So uh, and the construction project, which is you know, certainly an area that's privy to all kinds of abuse that um, the preparation work uh, has been uh, set up like with the Corps of Engineers we meet with them on almost a weekly basis and say uh, what uh, is necessary to ensure that we're ready to go on to the next phase of the project. So we would often break down a, a longer term project into phases and have uh, each phase has a um, section and a quality uh, audit attached to it before we move on to the next phase. And how is intellectual property protected? That, that isn't an area that we address heavily. Uh, certainly on the technology side, we're very respectful of um, you know, the software that, that we use, and uh, it's always um, closely uh, um, regulated in terms of proper number of licenses, for instance. And uh, I know that uh, we didn't really talk about piracy, per se. I know there are you know, some, some Applications out there at a lower level with uh, DVDs, for instance. Um, you see those at some markets, but certainly. Uh, but I think that's common in, 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 uh, in many parts of the world anyway. But I, and I, more and more folks were uh, becoming um, conversant uh, with uh, online capabilities. And I think the whole e commerce area is something that uh, needs to be tapped into. And with that, uh, will come uh, perhaps you know, some participation by the Iraqis in uh, setting up these uh, what is websites and um, electronic commerce um, capabilities with payment uh, considerations with um, 
copyrights if it's something that they can evolve on their own as well. And we still look forward to them trying to set up their own standards in that regard. Because we did see that that was a, a big need for a lot of the companies that they couldn't represent themselves in an online fashion yet. They realized they needed to be there. They had email. Uh, that was a big step for some, some of them, and then having internet access, and that's becoming more common. You see uh, satellite issues in, in different neighborhoods back then. So, um, people who have their cell phones and they're communicating, becoming more aware of um, the media, and I think that uh, the expectation of society will be elevated. And if they create more of this um, intellectual property in their own country, then they'll have a greater pride and ownership in that uh, with the country themselves. Um, the Department of State continues to warn U.S. citizens of dangers and parents travel to Iraq and recommends all the essential travel in the country given the security situation. So I guess my question is, how can you do business with people if you can't meet the people you're doing business with, see the products that you're dealing with, and, and get the feel of the way of the land? How do you feel yeah. about personal security? Yeah. Well, that's, that's still is a, a concern, and I have some uh, colleagues that recently, you know, we now that uh, this returned to Iraq uh, within the past month, and uh, July 2009, and uh, they're staying in uh, on an army base, but they did fly into the Baghdad airport. So I thought that was a nice step ahead. We always used to come into the military time at the Baghdad airport, and this time they came into the civilian sector, just like an average Iraqi citizen would. Now they're not living in the green zone anymore because it's been turned over to the Iraqis, and so uh, they are, for security reasons, uh, on an army base right by the Baghdad airport. So there are um, some hotels, the Al-Rashid is, is a most common one that's on the edge of the, the green zone that would be a place for Western businessmen and where the media will often stay as long as it's been secure in the past in terms of uh, uh, interacting with the Iraqis. And then if you do have um, such a trip set up, uh, would have um, private security probably uh, set up uh, and let the Iraqis come to your location in a, in a secure area in and around the Baghdad airport, for example, and uh, in state of place where either uh, Western uh, or um, outside uh, travelers or, or commonly staying. Uh, and I think you can work for the Iraqi industry ministry and minerals would get some advice as to where a person could stay. And then there's also the uh, Iraqi police and army who could be uh, supplemental security as well as private security firms that are very active in that area as well. And I guess last um, specific question. It sounds like you recommend fairly strongly to find local partners. Yes. And obviously in international business in general, it's all about building trust building the right relationships and so on. But I guess my question is, in Iraq, how do you do due diligence on potential partners and really learn what you need to know to qualify potential partners? Well, for instance, there are profiles of uh, 45 Iraqi uh, state-owned enterprises on the Department of Commerce uh, website, which is uh, provided for the Iraqi uh, Ministry of Industry Mineral, NIM, it's called. That would be one source of uh, information. Just the financial information is often spotty, but they do have a sense of um, the product lines, the uh, physical assets. Uh, they uh, would uh, be probably helpful in terms of finding out the currency of affairs today. You could also look in these, um, some of the other um, resources out there some of the studies we would uh, consult in the past. The CPA, Coalition Provisional Authority, I think is cited in this other website is having done a lot of historical analyses as well as some of the work that our, our team did in uh, visiting some of the factors that determine the marketability of the product, the uh, employment status, the, uh, the security of the region, the management structure, uh, the potential for, for growth, uh, 
as I mentioned, uh, are, like the ceiling fans and the parts probably in the hand irons might not be the uh, high growth products of the future, but so what are some of the other sectors that might be more meaningful? So um, you can look at some of the firms that have received uh, funding through our programs back in 2007, 2008, uh, and uh, those would certainly be some of the funds that start off with, and also ones that feed basic needs, such as fertilizer and cement, uh, the tractors for the transportation, the buses, uh, certainly are unnecessary uh, for you know, growth of society, and that uh, some of the uh, higher technology ones, like the solar panels, for instance, uh, might be ones to consider um, for a future, but that would be a longer term uh, type of uh, arrangement. And uh, I also looked at some of the neighboring companies, countries as well as uh, their investment uh, uh, capabilities, and you know, whether it's the banks there that provided the funding for some of the loans because they've already done due diligence and some risk analyses in the area, or, uh, or specific uh, companies in, uh, in Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Jordan, uh, Kuwait that have uh, pre-existing um, arrangements in, in Iraq, whether they go back a number of years before you know, the uh, current troubles that they've had, or whether they're more uh, newly set up in the telecom sector, I mentioned Kuwait has certainly been very, very active there. And so, um, so look at some of the basic needs, as well as uh, some of the uh, future technology requirements, transportation is going to be a critical um, uh, uh, I think the petrochemical uh, sector is going to be important. The yeah, engineering uh, side for all the reconstruction efforts are going to happen. And if you saw what happened in, a, in Dubai, and uh, for instance, um, Iraq has a lot more people, uh, and uh, it was a university system, and um, large oil reserves, and so they have, uh, you know, the government is becoming more representative, and so they understand, you know, the need to have. Um, the infrastructure is in place to contribute to their future success and prosperity in the region. Okay. And I guess generally, um, is there anything else that's important for people to think about if they're investigating opportunities, pursuing opportunities, um, that, that people should know if they're thinking about doing business in the Well, they understand that uh, the, the region has been uh, subject to a, a, a lot of um, uh, shifting uh, winds, if you will, and winds of change. And uh, for the most part, uh, the overall impact has been uh, very positive in terms of the long-term prospects economically and politically in, in the region. Uh, Iraq has a rich history, thousands of years, um, lifespans. We understand and all the uh, how it's evolved, and as the birthplace of civilization, with the Tigris and Euphrates confluence of the rivers, and the alphabet um, started there. Uh, the, um, the Old Testament is full of references to uh, Iraq in terms of uh, the power of Babel, for instance. So uh, they even hope to bring back historical tourism, actually. So I, I think that uh, given the, uh, the pride of the Iraqi people and their desire for a normal life and to, to see a better future for their children, that uh, I hope that uh, companies would consider uh, you know, this region as uh, part of their uh, growth plan for the future. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay.